All right, we bad. Yo, Jam, can you hear me? Loud and clear, my brother. Nice, nice. All right, cool. Ladies and gents, welcome to Andy Podcast. And um, I want to say thanks to everybody that's been supporting season one all the way to season six. And by the time you guys hear this, this will be this will be season six, episode uh, 15. 15 or 16. I said 16, yes. Episode 16. And um, I just want to... I just want to paint a picture for everybody listening, you know. As an independent artist, when they do these shows, I don't always get to, I don't always get to know all the artists that's on the bill because, you know, we're in and out, we're trying to get in the zone, we're trying to, we're trying to prepare for our shows, but I got a chance to get to know this next artist right here a little bit before we got a chance to to do this interview. And I was really shocked. I was shocked to realize where he was coming from because I've been doing shows with him since last summer and I've been been seeing him in Orange County and I thought he was from Orange County this whole time. But this artist right here is based in Queens, New York. For all those who are in Apple Music and Spotify, if you have those apps, y'all gotta check out these albums, PBJ, Growth, One Step Closer, King's Poet and there's a lot of singles and EPs on on the digital platforms and when you guys go on this Instagram page click on that YouTube link there's a whole bunch of music videos that y'all got to get in tune with and um, one of my favorite is Harsh and ladies and gents without no further ado I don't want to keep talking man we got Jam Young in the house what's up Jam? Yeah what up Marlon? Feels good to be you know what I mean on the podcast with you I really appreciate you Taking the time out of your busy schedule to make this happen. So, thank you so much. Thanks for doing episode 16 with me. I appreciate you. Absolutely, man. It's, it's had, all the pleasure is all mine. So, Jam, let's get to it, man. I asked all my guests, where were you born and raised? So, uh, I was born and raised in, well, technically, I was born outside of Queens, like right outside on the outskirts, like precipice of Long Island. But, uh, 90. Percent of my life, uh, childhood was in Queens, all over Queens. I rep College Point, um, which is right outside of Flushing. That's probably the t- most time I spent in like one location. But I pretty much lived everywhere from Astoria, Long Island City, Fresh Meadows. Um, you know what I mean? Near Jamaica. So I've been I've been around, been around Queens for a long time. Do you know why your parents or family relocated to Queens? Um, so actually uh so funny story i guess well my parents were raised in queens the whole time but my grandparents that came over from um from dr they they actually live in the bronx first um and they were and then they ended up moving to queens just because they found like a really good deal on their apartment but that they actually still live there now 52 years later um but uh they were the first. They were like one of the first Dominicans in Queens, like in that area, Jackson Heights, which is now predominantly Hispanic. But back in the day, it was like Irish and Italian and all that. Um, and then my Ecuadorian side, when they came, I'm pretty sure we just had family in Queens. So we, you know, you know how it is when you when you migrate or immigrate, like you go where like your friends and where work is at, or where like people speak the same language. And um, and there was parts of Queens where a lot of Ecuadorians were at too. So. Um, I mean, that's just how we got over here. No doubt. Um, 
how can you describe Queens for me growing up? Like, what do you remember about the community as a child, you know? Well, I think Queens, uh, one, it's a, it's a known fact that Queens is the most diverse place in the, in the, in the, I don't know if it's the world or the United States specifically, but it's definitely one of the most diverse places in the world. Uh, basically, like, you know, when people think of America being like, oh, Asians, you know, blacks, whites, Hispanics, you know, Indians, like, Queens is just like that. So when I grew up, I, I was very exposed to all kind of nationalities, all kind of people. So I never really saw, like, a lot of the... Um, the racism that goes on in America and stuff because Queens was pretty, um, at least the area of Queens that I grew up in was pretty diverse. You know what I'm saying? So it was it was dope. And, you know, I, I, I take it for granted. I didn't take it for granted. I just didn't know any better when I started traveling around the other country. And I'm like, oh, I don't really see a lot of Latinos here. I don't see a lot of Filipinos here. You know, so it, I, every time I go back to Queens now, I remember that's such a special I can get any type of food. I can meet any type of person, and everybody, you know, is just it, Queens is a is a wonderful community as a whole. You know, there are pockets of, you know, of things, of places and people that are, you know, um, just like any place, a little bit out there. But for the most part, Queens is a very loving, giving uh, community, and we just want to keep bringing people of all ethnicities and all colors and all races and all. I mean, sex is together, just showing love, man. And that's what I preach in my music. Um, how much of your Dominican culture is, like, reflecting in your music? How much that that side of your culture, like, does it, does it play a role in how you approach songwriting or picking your beats? Um. So when I first, uh, my first project when I was, like, 17, I, that was a reggae song that started really being popping. And I definitely, like wanted to dive into that and I remember writing a whole song in Spanish but then um, for a while I kind of you know steered away from that because it wasn't really like 100% what I was trying to do but I think over the last few years as I've getting gotten more in touch with my you know my culture um, I definitely incorporate that in my music a lot more and uh, you know I try to make sure to throw some cool like you know, Dominican slang or Ecuadorian slang and just like using, you know, the cool thing about having more than one language at your disposal as a writer is like now you can start saying shit and, you know, slick shit in both languages. And I think that's like one of the coolest parts of being a multicultural artist is like being able to incorporate, you know, uh, words that you grew up with and terms that you grew up with or heard in the hood or whatever. Um, and putting it into the music, you know? It also makes it more relatable for people. Mm -hmm. So when I think about Queens, I think about the greatest that ever came out from Queens. So from, from Run DMC to LL Cool J to Nas to Mob Deep to 50 Cent, I just think about the greatest icons that came from Queens. In your, in your opinion, what is it about Queens that just breeds this crazy talent? Like, like iconic too. Like cha yeah. game changers, you know. Yeah, um, I think I think it, I think it has to do with that um, with that diversity. You know what I'm saying? I, I feel like you know it's 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 not bigger than Brooklyn, but it's I think it's the second biggest borough, um, if I'm not mistaken, in New York. You know, and like it's crazy because Queens actually 
was in industrial space, you know, most of most of the time. Now people are living in Queens and building building, you know, luxury apartments in Queens and it's and then, you know, making the neighborhoods a little nicer. But I think um, I think Queens is just like it just has like a different flair than the other boroughs. And in New York, you know what I mean? Especially like back in, in the 80s and 90s, like you really repped your community, your neighborhood. So I think uh, once once one person started popping off in Queens, it just started like a ripple effect, you know? Like you're just trying to support other Queens artists and build their up and see where they're trying to go. Because um, there's, a, there's a lot of, you know, under, I don't even want to call them underground because at one time, I was a professor from Queens. You know, uh, he worked with like Nick, Nick the Exotic, Royal Flush. So there's a lot of like, there's a lot of even like lesser, lesser names that are Queens legends that um, are still around and still relevant in the in the underground hip hop scene. So um, I don't know. This this is definitely a magic in Queens, man. What was like your earliest recollections of hip hop growing up in NY? Was it a song that you heard? Was it a video that you seen? That was like your first ever experience in hip hop. So, um, I don't remember this, but I remember my grand, my, my uncle told me this. He was like, yo, I remember when OPP came out, which is probably like 94. He was like, you always, you always would sing that song. You would always fucking uh, be catching that hook. And you know that that made me smile because I didn't even realize that I was listening and paying attention and like reciting hip hop lyrics at the age of like four or five. So um, that's like a cool memory that someone you know told me that I used to do. But for me, I feel like I really came on strong with hip hop in like '99. You know, I remember like that whole Bad Boy Mace era. I remember when uh, Eminem came on the scene. Uh, Busta Rhymes was big, so I still like. I hear those records now. Growing up, you know, it's pretty, pretty incredible. And you know, I had to do a lot of history. I had to go back and like, when I became like, when I wanted to like do hip hop for real, for real. Like when I fell in love with it, when I started writing around like 14, 15, 16, um, I had like an uncle who was kind of like an older brother to me. He's only four years older than I am, but. He kind of like, well, he was like, yo, if, you, if you're gonna do hip hop, you should gotta go back and do your homework. So I remember like borrowing and downloading and getting any my, any way to get my hands on like all the old school stuff from like, especially the Queen shit, like the Run DMC albums, the LL Cool J, Radio, Black Panther, um, you know what I mean? Mama don't, don't call it a comeback records and then going to the Tribe Called Quests and you know what I mean? Listening to all those albums, so. Um, I mean, hip hop has been in my blood for a long time. My father used to be a house DJ. He used to make house records. Um, so I, I think that's also something that like Queens really like brought to the forefront a lot more in mainstream and, and underground was just like that party sound. And I think that's why LL uh, also like took advantage of that and like really harnessed that energy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I love how we're doing this interview while you're on the bus. It just gives it a more of a New York feel, you know? <laughs> yeah, man. You're definitely going to hear those doors open. And, and, and I mean, so this would be craziness on the bus sometimes, but. I love it. Um, and by the way, ladies and gents, before I, we get any further, 
Just a moment of silence for PNB Rock. Rest in peace, young brother. Sad. Rest in peace, PNB Rock. We lost a, we lost another a lo- another young brother, man. Over senseless, just senseless, senseless, senseless shit, man. It's fucked up. Um, I wanted to ask you, uh, how old were you when you started? I know you were 14, 15, 16 when you started writing, but how old were you when you started recording? like recording songs or recording to put it out. So what's crazy was I probably actually wrote like one of my first rhymes when I was like somewhere between like nine and 11. Uh, and then uh, when I was 14, you know how everyone that, when you're a kid, man, you saw on Love of Hip Hop, you're not the only one. So usually you got a crew, you got a bunch of people that you listen to that are like, you like, yo, we're gonna start it. We're gonna make a rap group and we're gonna do all this. So I started recording uh, when I was like 14, 15. I remember I was working at McDonald's at the time and I was saving up money for the studio. So um, it's pretty crazy. And I remember like, I still actually, my first engineer, he still, he still rhymes and still makes beats. So I mean, he's from Queens and we still talk pretty, um, pretty frequently and uh it's pretty crazy so yeah i guess it's gonna be almost 20 years of recording music nice, um, man. yeah man let's talk about your first album uh king's poet that came out in 2015 what, what did you, what did you learn about yourself as an artist recording that project so um as you as you kind of mentioned before you see i had like a slew of singles come out um, and I've been putting out a lot of music over the last probably like four or five years. So what's crazy is King's Poet is actually like, um, even though it's the first project I put out on like Spotify and Bandcamp and all that stuff, like I probably had, I probably have somewhere in my in my old engineer's studio like 200 records and like three different projects that just never came out. Um, so with King's Poet, the dude who used to made all the beats, his name is Hannibal King. He used to be um, a friend of mine. I haven't really, I haven't, he kind of, he kind of fell off the earth, but he was a really dope producer. He actually produced for Mac Miller before Mac Miller was Mac Miller. He, Mac used to be in this group called Ill Spoken, and him and somebody else was rhyming on his beats. So when I found him online. Ironically, he went out with the girl I went to middle school with, and I was like, yo, like, I love his, like, uh, poetic. Hello, hello. Records. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I was like, damn, man, I want to I wanna do a whole project with these. So he put out a bunch of beat tapes, and I, and I bought some beats from him, um, and I just combined them all together in one project. And I felt like at the time, like I always felt like my work, like I started off in poetry and I always was like poetic in my rhymes. So for me, you know, um, the King's Poet was like the embodiment of that. It's like, yo, I'm the, I'm the best poet. Um, and also what's cool about the King's Poet title too, because back in the day, I mean, ironically, you know, King Elizabeth just died and all that stuff. Um, rest in peace to her too. But, uh... The king always had people to do shit for him, right? He had people like to perform for him. So for me, it was like I'm like, my 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 king. 
besides being a king myself, was also like the 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 listeners, the fans, the people that are digesting the music. So for me, I'm the king's poet. Like I'm y'all poet. I'm here to deliver the truth and the real from Queens, you know, um, to the masses. So that project is like real. It's actually pretty dark because at the time when I was finishing up the project, um, my first girlfriend and I, well, my second girlfriend and I broke up. So a lot of those songs get a kind of like a dark feel. And Slim Shady EP is one of my favorite projects. And so I kind of took a lot of inspiration, kind of like low point, and was like, yo, I'm going to do my own rendition of that. Think, think. Slim Shady LP was definitely a game changer too. Oh man, um, what's your favorite song on that Slim Shady LP? Oh man, um, I mean for me, I would say the three would be Rock Bottom, um, Come On Everybody, because that was like one of the few like kind of like upbeats, but like the way Eminem just like flowed and like was so comical but still ill at the same time was like so tight and then I guess I gotta go with uh damn what's that song called um, brain damage brain damage is crazy but there's also the one with the he like I stand out like like stand out like like an orange bill he said, I stand out like Lauren Hill with an orange bill. Role model. Role yeah, model, role yeah. model. That's some, yo, that shit, bro, as a, as a, as an artist studying rap, like, the rhyme schemes of that song and, like, what he said, like, the shock value of that was crazy, bro. Like, I don't, I mean, I know people don't give Eminem to just do anymore because he's not, he's not the same Eminem that we grew up with, but that Eminem was impeccable, man. Like, so much heart. Yeah, exactly. I was like, gee, I don't know. It might be. Oh, <laughs> so let me ask you this. You dropped One Step Closer in 2018. You dropped Growth in 2020 and PBJ in 2022. I was bumping PBJ today. My favorite song on that is uh, Bad Boys in 97. Oh, yeah, um, that's hard. Out of all four albums, which one is which one was the most fun to make? Oh, by far, uh, PB and J. Which one was uh, the hardest? Which one was the most difficult to make? Like, like difficult to make, like difficult to finish, just difficult to get out. Like, um, I mean, I, normally I would have said the King's Poet because it took me to like, you know, several years to decide what I wanted to do. But one step closer was like the epitome of true artist troubles. <laughs> like I was trying to get features for this song and like a bunch of people were like not responding or not like taking it serious. Then I had like several engineer troubles. I had like four or five different engineers work on that project. And it was crazy because like I was just trying to find the right studio and the right person to like mix my shit. You know what I mean? Like I don't think people, especially young artists, need to really recognize how important that is. Um, 
because your engineer is like he should be like your, even if he's not your best best friend in real life he should be your best friend in the studio because that dude is gonna make you sound extra crispy or he's gonna make you sound like shit <laughs> so um, the One Step Closer project I actually if I could with my current engineer shout out Jake Palumbo who's mastered like B minors projects and Black Moon projects and Shabam Sadiq projects and all these dope ass projects. Um, I wish he could remaster it because it sounds okay on on Spotify and stuff, but um, it's definitely uneven. But you know, sometimes you gotta just let the music speak for itself. So there's a lot of dope records on there that I still perform and people still love. Um, but in terms of like artistry, you know how it is. You put out an album, you're like, damn, I could have made that ad a little bigger. Damn, I could have, you know what I mean, did this. So, you know, there's no there's no perfection for us. It's like constantly wanting to get better. So. No doubt. Um, I know your 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 touring schedule is, is pretty impeccable. Like, I'm impressed, man. Like, I thought I was doing it big driving eight hours up north but you're flying out here like it's not like it's nothing like i thought you was from out here and you know what's crazy ladies and gents this motherfucker looks like he's from out here too like jam mm, that's just, a fact jam, jam looks like he's one of us like he's from southern cali it's weird like i don't know um and that's a compliment by the way like ah, I appreciate you, just, that. You, you 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 blend in cali you just right in um I really, I mean, a part of me, I'm not gonna lie to you, man. Like, when I first came to California, when I first went to California back in like 2015, just to like visit a homie, I felt like, like a part of me belonged there, you know what I mean? And, uh, <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do belong here. So, I don't know, man. I mean, it's been calling me for a long time, but I gotta really, you know, you know how it is. You got to get the pieces together and make sure that it's the right decision. But who knows? You know, L.A. Well, not even L.A. Like, California and New York are, like, the best of the best, you know? So. I got to say this. I got to say this in the podcast because it's bothering me, man. I just want to really say rest in peace and my deepest condolences to the rappers who are dying every week. There's, there's somebody dying every week, senseless violence, and I bring this up because there's so much talented artists in NY, there's so much talented artists in, in, in California, and man, we gotta let each other live, man. We gotta stop this, man. There's too much talent out here for us to be killing each other. And man, Jam, I gotta admit, rapping is the most dangerous job in the world right now. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely been. I mean, I always think about one of the best um, comedy lines of all time was uh, Chris Rock saying, you know, if you want to kill kill somebody and get away with it, you got to just put a demo tape in their pocket. <laughs> really, and it's man. crazy. It's always violence, man. We lost a lot of good ones these last three, four years. We lost a lot of good ones for no reason at all. And, um, and I say this from an indie artist to another indie artist that's constantly on the road. Yo, man, we're blessed to be making it home alive, aren't we? We're blessed yeah. just just to make it back, you know. Um, let me ask you this: What year did you start first? What was the first? What was the first time you did a show outside of NY? Um, 
So what's crazy, um, I talk about this like in the King's Poet, but basically when me and my girl at the time broke up, like literally like a week, uh, a week, maybe a week or a month later or something, some, it was very short. But my uncle, he had been uh, performing like in Connecticut and like another in other places for a long time. But now that I was old enough to be in those places, you know what I mean? But when he was doing that, I was like under 21. So a lot of times I couldn't go. Like sometimes I just wanted to go to like soak in, you know, the energy, the knowledge, like just be a part of the music. Um, so we did it. We booked a little, little like three day tour in um, in Massachusetts and Providence. Uh, so that was back in 2013. But I, I mean, I and and that same year, I ended up earlier that year, I ended up performing in Memphis too. But that was like the first time I did those the first three shows I did outside of New York. And then after that you just kinda I don't know, we just started getting like the taste for like performing in other places, you know. When was the first time you did a show in Cali? Um I think it might have been it might have been the show that we did, to be honest. Oh, so that so ladies and gents, let me paint the picture, all right? Summer of 2021. The, the summer of 2021, I'm just like any other indie artist in, in Southern Cali that's trying to get her foot back out there after the pandemic, you know? Like, so these were the first batch of shows. I want to give a shout out to DJ Chaos. I would have never met Jam for Chaos. Uh, and that's how I met Jam. And um, he, and Chaos has been really putting on these shows for for the independent artists he believes in, and man, I'm grateful to be part of these bills. Um, and that's where I met Jam. So, let me ask you this, man: like, what's the biggest difference you see in the crowd in LA, or, or the Southern Cali crowd, or the or the New York crowd? What's the difference as far as like the love or the feedback, or or maybe not love? Maybe it's tension, yeah. you know, like. How's, what's the difference? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, based off the shows that, I, that I've done in both coasts, I mean, to be honest, man, it's kind of similar. Like, um, you know, I really, I really am an advocate for people not doing pay to play because yeah. pay to play is just mad annoying. The, the issue is with the pay to play shit. There's like three levels to it. It's like the first level is. You know, the fact that, like, you are an artist are trying to figure out your way, and the only way you can get a crowd is if you pay someone to get a crowd. Now, the catch-22 is that if you book your own shows, you got to do the groundwork. But also, I mean, you might be performing, you know, sometimes to 10, 15 people. But the flip side is that in those 10, 15 people, you might actually make a fan versus, like, when you book these pay-to-play gigs that are like 400 people or 200 people like half of them are artists or they're artist friends you know what I'm saying so like you almost gotta like poach fans from other people so I don't know I mean it seems it seems from what I've seen like a lot of the there's a lot of similarities and how like people promoters or whatever you want to call them pay-to-players make money um, but um, the show I did after the after you and I 
performed. I did a show with Robles, who's such a wonderful and given soul. Him and Jenny are like top notch, um, just people, man. Like, you know, it's, it's dope to, they're, they're dope artists as well, but their their hand is such is such a giving thing, and I can appreciate that more. So shout out to Robles and um, Jenny Jones, aka Jenny from the beach, but. Um, the show I the show I did Magoos or Maggie's or that, however you pronounce that spot, that shit was crazy, man. Like, um, I got a lot of love, especially you know it makes it always makes me happy when a DJ when a DJ fucks with your set, man. Like, I know it's cool to get people to fuck with it, but when DJs fucking with it, it's incredible. And yeah, you know, like, um, how do I say this? You definitely have a polished uh, stage show, and uh, the breath control sounds good, and you definitely understand song structure. So, mad props to what you're doing, man. Hey, right, right back at you, though, man. Like, thank you. That last set, that last set we did together, man. That was that was incredible. Thanks, Jam. Um, You understand rhythm. You understand choruses. You understand hooks. You understand um, concepts like. Like, I, I like seeing polished artists that's that's like really out there grinding on both coasts. Now, I was I, I was on your YouTube, uh, your YouTube page today, and um, I was just kind of really going through the videos. And you've been really like doing shows everywhere, man. I didn't know you did Colorado. Um, <laughs> yeah. Out of out of all the cities you did, what's like your top three favorite cities to perform at? <sighs> Man, this, it kind of changes over time, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. But every time I go to South Carolina, I get, like, a ton of love, man. Like, everybody that books me out there um, and that wants me to come back, like, there's just, there's a, it's a you know, it's so crazy because it's, like, all these smaller communities were, like, you know, they're probably the size of Queens communities. But, like, the love is just crazy there, man, and I can't. I can't say enough about the um, Columbia slash South Carolina uh, music scene because when they fuck with you, they really fuck with you, man. And I think that's what I always like. You know, I grew up in a small part of Queens, and so even though I feel like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big city person, I feel like I'm still a small city, you know, a small town or a small neighborhood kind of guy. Um, so I would say South Carolina for sure. Uh, I haven't been back to Detroit. I've only done like two shows in the, in like the Michigan area, but I don't know, man. I, I think from a rap standpoint, um, besides Cali is probably the closest competition, but um, Detroit rappers head to head to New York rappers, in my opinion. Like they got that East Coast gritty, lyrical sound. That a lot of people go very technical. Grew MCs. up, bro. Some of the best MCs are from Detroit, man. Like that you know, like it just like the um, semantics of like the like the mechanics of MCing. They're all about that. Like, yeah, for sure, one thousand <laughs> percent. Just the pure and, form of bars, like yeah, exactly. And and that's 
it's super crazy out there and I love that shit, man. Um, so anytime a New York person comes in and can, you know, they're like, all right, let's see what he got to do. And they, and they feel the energy and they feel the lyricism. They're like, all right, like, we accept you. And I think that's like cool part about Detroit. Um, production too. They're, they're definitely on some other shit. Production. Oh yeah. Wise. OD. Um, um, and then I guess the last place would either be, probably tied between um, Colorado, Utah, and California. Like, every time, I'm, you know, Cali's still new to me since I've only done a couple shows there, but um, I always get a lot of love and on the West Coast. I don't know if it's because I'm from the East Coast, but they show me a lot of love. And I want to shout out Yuma, too, man. If you get a chance to go to Yuma, there's a dope-ass venue out there um, run by this guy, Ramiro. Shout out Ramiro. He's He's like a dope skater, graffiti artist, uh, owns the owner of the bar. He's done hip hop. He's a big music head. And um, the Yuma, I've only performed one time there, but they got a lot of love for music out there. So let me ask you this, Jam. Um, there's a lot of MCs, and especially like in 2022, it's, it's like and being independent is the only way to go. We're, I mean, we're all independent. Um, there's a lot of people, anybody with the social media, sometimes all this, it can, it can get cluttering. Like, what are some of your ways to make sure you stand out as far as like marketing, branding, just what are some of the ways that you do for yourself to make sure that you're just standing out and sticking out from the rest? Because there's a lot of us doing this, you know? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I think, you know, as an artist growing up, the, the, your, the real key is uh, there's a couple keys, but the one of the realest keys is just, is being yourself and finding out who that is, right? Like it's hard to brand something that people that if you don't know who you are, how do you brand that? You know what I'm saying? Like if you're if you're making you know one day, and it, I guess it doesn't even really have to do with the music per se, per se at first, but it's like who are you and are you down to show who you are as a person? Um, whether people like that or not, it doesn't really matter because some people are going to like it and some people are not. So it's just really about the people that, um, the people that do like it, I should say. Um, so for me, I just try to remember that. Like, I remember that people nowadays, especially like before they even hear your record, they want to know if they can like you, you know what I mean? Like. Let's be honest with you know, like we gotta have a conversation or talk about something real. So when I when I post stuff now, I kind of keep that in mind. Like, you know, like I can't be afraid to show, you know, maybe a blooper from a video, or I can't be afraid to show like a weird selfie or haircut that I had. You know what I mean? Because I think that's the type of thing that people can relate. Like, oh shit, like, you know, like. Uh, like jam young the human as much as i want to like jam young the artist um and then the second thing is just keep making better music man like you know like it's it's doing that and you know just seeing what works and where it works and then doubling down you know like if you put a song out even if it got 20 plays right where those 20 plays coming from who's fucking with it like who's listening you got to figure out who that per- who those people are and um, find a way to get them to listen to it again or listen to the next song. So um, 
but I think just being, you know, honest and, uh, and just being yourself is like the most important thing because you are the brand, you know? That's what people always tell me. It's like, um, you're the brand you, and you got to find out, you know, who's similar to you so that you can take their fans. Like for me, you know, I've been compared to like J. cole and like, you know, uh, even like LL Cool JS, like in those type of vibes. So it's like, okay, if I could take, I'm talking about some people that have, who know, I don't even know how many fans they would have, but let's say they got 10 million fans. And, you know, we take 10% of that, bro, that's 100,000 fans. That That's a living, that's, a, that's sold out shows, you know? So that's what I try to keep in mind when I'm when I'm promoting and stuff. It's like I gotta I gotta go after people that like the same type of music that I'm making, and just people who like honest like honest music. And I think I think you're in the same kind of category. You know what I mean? Like you make honest hip hop, and you make and you got some you have incredible beat selection, man. Your beat selection is crazy. Like. <laughs> I love that. I love it, bro. I appreciate it, man. And I was thinking about this, like, um, uh, hip-hop is constantly changing. The sound is constantly changing. And, you know, New York hip-hop, what what we grew up on in the 90s, may not sound like the New York in 2022 today, you know? Um, The California, West Coast hip-hop that we grew up with in the 90s may not be the same as we hear it now. It's always evolving, right? And changing as it should. You feel me though, Jam? Yeah, 100%. Like the, like the sound of this. And I think um, you're definitely um, current with the sound, but I also hear the old school in you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, like for sure. You're, you're current with the sound, but I hear the boom bap in you too. Like, um, And I think that's that's unique. Let me ask you this. Your thoughts on NY hip hop, all right? It went through a lot of changes. You know, I think sometimes even the governor is trying to ban drill music, all right? Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, what's your thoughts on New York hip hop? What's the future for New York hip hop? Where is this going to go? Like, Man. In, the next, in the next five years. Let's just say the next five years. Where is this headed? I mean, to be honest, I mean, like, I, I haven't really been in super in tune with the with the New York hip hop scene um, only because you know what's going on right now isn't necessarily for me or our age group you know what I'm saying like the drill shit is 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 cool like it's popping like it's some of the records are like super fun like when Whoopty came out it was like hard because you were like oh shit you know what I mean this is this is this is fire but I think with New York, I think the thing is we got to find a balance between like taking what's popping and like making our own rendition of it and like making something fresh, you know? So I feel like for me or for any artist, like, you know, like going back to staying true to yourself is like the next wave could be like whatever your, your next wave might not even be what the next wave is, but um just you know dig yeah. deep go into your history because i think you know part of the reason why drake made uh that that uh somewhat house album was because he was around that you know like and he was he was out in europe and listening to these things and you know in canada it's also big edm and like 
house shit. I'm like, the house has always been popping, bro. It's been popping for a long time, you know? Um, He's just trying to be one of the people to bring it into, like, the hip-hop realm. But it's been done before. It's going to always be done. And it's like, you know, when I think about my roots, like, I was like, I've been, you know, I got some, I got somewhat, like, I'm going to call it somewhat house records, like, from years ago, because, you know, like, that's what my, I told you, my dad was a house DJ. So, like, that type of sound, I, I love, but that sound is also more catered to like instrumental and vibing. Yeah. They're not yeah. necessarily like, oh, let's sing on this or let's rap on this. But I think if you do it right, you know, like Azalea Banks, when she put out uh, 718, that record still gets, you know, placements on um, movies and in t- TV shows because that's that's its own, it's, it's its own sound. And I think for New York and for B particular too, like, I want to make a sound. I want I want people to be like, yo, that's jam music. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want it to be like, oh, he's doing this rec type of music. Like, I think every great artist, when they get to their peak or when they figure out who they are and what they like and what kind of music they want to make, you're like, that's J. Cole music. That's Kendrick music. That's Eminem music. You know what I'm saying? Like, even though it might have elements of boom bap or elements of Africa or elements of you know, trap or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's it's their music. Like that's what they sound like. And it's funny because when when you figure that out, then it's like other people come and you're like, oh, okay, that's he's making Kid Cudi kind of music. He's making Kendrick kind of music. You know. So, um, I don't know. I hope New York, you know, goes goes back in the books and starts kind of coming out. I mean, I think that's why Griselda is so popular because. They were like, all right, how do we do that? I don't even think they did it on purpose, but they're like, we're going to do 90s music, but we're going to flip it around a little bit, you know? And, like, they stripped it down. Like, they took away a lot of the drums. So it's like the bars were, like, heard, you know? Like, they they found a way. Because back in the day, you listen to those 90s records, there's not really, like, a lot of drops, and the drums are, are very loud. Like, they're supposed to be, like, slapping but I think what's cool is that in this era of music, people are really stripping things down, right? Like a lot of the hit records have like five sounds. Clap, hi-hat, 808, snare, and a drum, and a kick. Or a sample, you know what I'm saying? Like some of them don't even have kicks, it's a sample. And so you do that with hip-hop, it's like how did hip-hop start? Start off with a sample. So you take the sample, maybe you put the 808 or, or bass line underneath it, and if you got someone that can spit bars, you put that over that, and it's like, oh shit! Like Rock Marciano's been doing that for for decades, bro. You know what I'm saying? So it's just now it's coming to the mainstream because a different group and a different you know age group of, is fucking with it. I feel like Rock Marciano kind of paved the way for a sound like Gris- Griselda to come. You know? Yeah, hundred um, percent. And I do think that Griselda, what what, what Griselda Records has done, some complete like continuation and descendants of the Wu-Tang Clan, you know, and, um, yeah, for Deep, sure. and, and what Mob Deep laid down is, is the continuation of that. And I'm glad that they broke through the mainstream because somehow, someway, it keeps us alive for us real lyricists out here, you know, it's, it's not completely dead like they say that it is, it's not, you know. Um, I think J. Cole and Kendrick did what they had to do to also appeal to the radio and the masses, but Griselda got that sound that that we all grew up on, you know? Yeah, 100%. Um, let me ask you this, man. 
what are some of the ways you kept your sanity during the pandemic? I know for a lot of us, when, when things closed down, what were some of the ways that you kept yourself productive? Um, honestly, it's crazy because like I feel like I was just as busy without a job than I was with a job. Um, because I always, I mean, I got I got back into running, so I used to do cross country back in college. Shout out Brooklyn College. Um, so I kind of got back into that, and I was running like you know anywhere from like two to you know eight miles a day. Um, like four or five times a week so that really kept my time and my my mental and my body right and um, you know I think I think just watching it's weird because I don't really watch a lot of TV so I think for me like being able to like relax and get new ideas and new inspiration from old stuff like I went I binge watched like The Wires Sopranos like all the classic shit that I never got to see when as a kid so it's like, you know, I do inspiration and understand new metaphors and, you know what I mean? Because a lot of this stuff is referenced in hip hop a lot. So it's like dope to like see it and feel it and like, you know, in a new mind state. So I did that um, and I definitely just doubled down on the music, man. That's how growth was made. Like I was making, um, I was writing, I mean, I know before this year, I, was, I used to write a, like at least a verse of, like I would try to write a verse a day man or like at worst like a song a week you know what I'm saying like just being able to write that um cause I love writing and I love making new music uh so at the time when I had all that time it was like alright what am I making today am I gonna produce something am I gonna write am I gonna write something like it all depends and like what's the new what's the thing I could do on Instagram to, to create content so uh, I don't think people realize too content is just making content you know it might take you like it's hard with art because you don't you could put it in a time span but realistically it's like you're gonna need like one piece might take you six hours you know what I mean like or one song might take you five days or longer than that you know um so I just kind of like trust the process and just made shit, man. Like I tried, I just made whatever I felt, you know, like I bought new beat packs. I, I went on, I would spend like three or four hours on Instagram, but not like fooling around, but like looking for other producers, looking for other artists, like just trying to connect with new people. And because uh, it's, you know, it's crazy because even if I was in like San Diego, that's actually how I met Billy No Jokes. I met him through online, like he was... He had a bunch of mutual friends and I hit him up like yo like what's good bro like we should try to link up sometime and then we ended up going on tour together so you know he's one of my favorite and um one of my coolest people in the in the music industry rap industry so you know it's weird how the world works sometimes but Yo, let me ask you this, man. Before I let you go, I know it's getting late. And the last question I want to ask you tonight is, what is what's your advice for the youth that's trying to get into the music business, the music industry? What can they expect from this? And what's going to be required of them to, to last? What, what is it going to take for them to last in this business? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, honestly, like I feel like one thing I wish you know as you get older that you kind of wish you have is like 
time and friends, right? So the cool thing about getting older is like you start learning who like I don't even want to call them real friends, but you just realize your circle, right? Like you just you're still cool with a lot of people that you grew up with, but your circle is is different. Like these are people that like you know ride or die for you, right? Those are people that go to your wedding and all that kind of stuff. So I think as a kid though, the ben- on the flip side, the benefit is that like you get to go to school with all these people, you get to like go to the studio with a bunch of people and everyone's, if they're all part of the same team, you all like get to learn, right? And I think that um, it's kind of one of those like each one teach one mentality. So if you have, if you, if you have friends that want to do stuff and be a part of your journey, like maybe they don't want to rap or maybe they're down to, to learn how to take pictures or maybe they're down to learn how to shoot a video. Or maybe they're down, like I think just definitely try everything and don't let, um, don't let doubt and 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 any sort of discouragement um, put you down, bro. Like just whatever it is that you'd like to do, like just double down on it because you got all the time in the world and you got all the res- like maybe not the resources, but you got all the you got a lot you got a lot of more resources than you think you do when as a kid. So I just think take advantage of that, especially now with like. TikTok and like all these apps that you can like you can record a whole album on an app bro like <laughs> you know like you don't even gotta go to the studio but um, I would just say that and just and be dedicated if that's something that you really like even if you don't end up doing it later but if this is something that you want to do like it's gonna be it, you know just like anything relationships life it's gonna be up and down and but if you want it that bad you'll get it, man, you know what I'm saying, like, I always wanted to go on tour, and I always wanted to make records with some of my, my, the peers that I have now, and just get respect from those names, you know, um, and even if I gotta pay a little bit of a fee here and there to get those records, it's like, you know, they know who you are, and you've done shows with them, and I think that's, like, the coolest thing, and you get to do shit like this, man, like, doing what we're doing right now, creating a podcast and um, making interviews and, you know, hopefully making a record together. Like, that's what that's what the game is about. Like, that's what the fun is, the fun part. Just don't lose the fun. Like, be dedicated. Don't lose the fun. But, uh, you know, have a goal and do whatever you can to achieve that, except fucking your friends over or fucking people over. <laughs> Amen. What's the... What's the um... I know 20, 2022 is almost uh, done. Around it's almost done around the corner, man. Um, what is some? What's what are you trying to accomplish for the rest of this year? Them and then, yeah. Um, well, to be honest, I feel like this year was a very um, was a very like analytical year for me, where I was like, okay, I've done I've done things this way, that way. You know, I think in the in the music industry because it evolves so much, you really gotta like. You don't even necessarily gotta keep up with it, but you gotta you gotta pay attention because there's different ways to win. And so maybe there's a way that you haven't tried yet that's worth trying. So um, for me, it's just kind of tr- trying those things, man. Like even if it fails or quote unquote fails, um, it's just trying new things from a marketing standpoint, from a music standpoint that I haven't done. Um, 
And honestly, I'm probably going to be releasing... I know I'm releasing at least one more project before the end of the year. Maybe right. two. Um, and a bunch of singles probably starting in October. So uh, I'm getting all those ducks aligned right now. So probably by the time this podcast come out, it'll probably be a bunch of new music. So if you're hearing this, Blessings is going to be one of... Um, which I actually performed um, with Mar- in front of Marlon um, in the f- first time in Cali. Blessings is going to be out soon. And, um, that record is just pretty much like just showing love to, to everybody. Like, I, I think it's one of my favorite songs I've ever made because the hook is like, you know, I pray for you even if you don't pray for me. Like, it's not about you liking me and you praying for me and you wishing. Like, my heart and my soul is wishing y'all the best. Um, so I'm really excited to have that record out in the world and see where that goes and that takes us. Um, and then, uh, you know, there might be a PB and J2 and a growth count and a growth uh, and a growth follow up too. So I got, I got like 60 records in the chamber right now. So I'm trying to figure out how to do my next, my next magic trick. <laughs> Good shit. Also, I got a video in Sandy from in San Diego. I haven't even dropped yet. Um, so I'm gonna probably drop that before the end of the year, man. Shout out David Ira, who shot that good ass dude. Um, yeah, man. Yo, Jam, man, I appreciate you. Thanks for doing this podcast, and I'm gonna hit you back on the text right now, all right? Yeah, definitely, man. I look forward to doing it again, bro. Yo, Jam, good looking out, dude. Happy podcast. Yo, we did it. And for all those who are tuning in, I'm going to definitely plug Jam's links on the, on the episode description. Y'all got to peep the videos for all my Spotify, Apple Music users. Peep the catalog. We got four albums on there. Whole bunch of singles and EPs. Y'all got to peep that, right? Yo, Jam, thanks, man. Yo, appreciate you, my man. One love, Jam. I'm going to hit you right now. Peace, uh, peace. peace, peace and love.